Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So it was also the Roman soldiers that spit on the Lord, and that represented the Gentile world that despised and rejected the Lord. It reminds me of the first time when I, in the old city of Jerusalem, a long time ago, I was walking in the old city of Jerusalem, and I was just sort of sitting there watching what was going on there. And there was a car that was parked there, and it had an Israeli license plate on it. And I watched as this Arab man walked up the car, and he looked down at the the Israeli license plate, And then he did this huge spit on the windshield of the car. It was, and and the look on his face was such anger on his face. And all I could think was, I think I've got to get out of this place. So when the Jewish leaders heard that the common people were following the Lord Jesus, that he was getting a following, they despised the people. And they said about the people in John 7, 49, John 7, 49, this people that knoweth not the law are cursed. It's talking about their own people, their own students. So when a person despises another, it's really because of one thing. It's because of pride. Pride is at the source of this despising. That's what it says in Proverbs 21, 24. Proverbs 21, 24. Proud and haughty scorner is his name who dealeth in proud wrath. Proud wrath. All right, then he goes on and he says in verse 22, when a person calls another person, you fool, thou fool, he's in danger of hellfire. What is he saying when a person says thou fool? He's saying what Proverbs 14.1 saying, Proverbs 14.1, the fool has said in his heart there is no God. So he really says you don't believe in God. And just to make the point, the Lord did not say in verse 22 that whosoever is angry with another person The Lord said that whosoever is angry with his brother, the word brother really turns with an effort to get the people to turn away from angry because that's my brother. That's my brother. See, the farther a person is away from you, the easier it is to hate, but the closer it's a little difficult. That's why during World War II, when the U.S. went to war with Germany, there was a problem because many Americans came from German ancestry. So the Germans were kind of seen as a little close to Americans. So there was an effort on the Americans to distance the Germans from the Americans. So they came up with these terms, like they called Germans, they called them krauts, because they like sauerkraut, and we don't need so much sauerkraut. Or or they call them jerrys for Germans, or heinies. And it was all designed to get the Americans to see the Germans as not close to them so they could, you know, fight them. On the other hand, if hatred does creep into the heart for a brother, then it's a really bad, fierce hatred. And that's why the worst and bloodiest war that the U.S. ever fought was the Civil War, where a brother was against brother. And this is Cain, Cain slaying his brother Abel. Esau, 
Esau hated his brother Jacob, and he said in Genesis 27:41, we've seen this, Genesis 27:41, Esau hated his brother because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand, then will I slay my brother Jacob. So he was looking forward to the death of his father Jacob so he can get him out of the way so he could go ahead and kill his brother. That's what anger does. Now the Lord speaks about what happens to a person when they're bringing their gift to the altar in verse 23, and he says, therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and there remember so thy brother hath ought against thee. Now, why would a person remember some conflict with his brother when he comes to the altar with a gift for God? The reason he remembers it is because God's involved in this. God is for us. He wants to see us get right. He wants to see us reconcile with others we have a conflict with. And the closer a person gets to God, like approaching the altar, when they bring God, the more the person will be reminded of his sin because that's the job of the Holy Spirit. That's what he does. It says in, in John 16, 7, John 16, 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin, righteousness and judgment. So God is especially interested in us being able to come to him with nothing between our soul and the Savior. And that's why when you look at the command, the injunction, or the ordinance of the Lord's table, which we're going to do today as a, as a chapel, in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, he goes on, he says, I have received of the Lord that which I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night which he was betrayed, took bread. When he'd given thanks, he break it, said, take eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament of my blood, this do you, as often as you drink in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread, drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death till he come. And then he says, wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And then he goes on and he says, for this cause, many are sickly among you, many sleep. There is a necessary preparation before coming to the Lord's table for communion, and it is, let a man examine himself. It's really easy to read those verses and, and stress out over them and to say, well, <laughs> I'm coming to the Lord's table, and whether or not I've got sins confessed or not, I might die or get really sick. I don't think I want to come to the Lord's table. I'll go some other place. I'll have lunch instead. See, but the Lord said that in verse 23, Matthew 5, 23, therefore, if I bring thy gift to the altar and remember that thy brother hath ought against thee. Now, that's an encouragement for us, not to stress out or be anxious, because that shows us that when we come to the Lord's table, that the Lord himself will remind us about the sins that need to be dealt with before coming. And then we come to the Lord's table for communion, and he wants, and when we do that, as we're getting close to it, the Lord wants us to feel personal guilt, because a person is not just remembering on his own who he's angry with, but the Holy Spirit is convicting a person of that uh, before he comes to the Lord's table. Now, of course, it's possible for a person to harden his heart, to say, that has nothing to do with me, and refuse to be reminded of the conflict between himself and another person. But the Lord says, no, you have to, in verse 24, Matthew 5, 24, he says, no, look, no, no, no. First be reconciled to thy brother. Then come. It shows the importance of reconciliation because anger stands in the way of being able to come to God. 
It's more important to be able to come to God than it is to harbor some grudge against another person. Because when it comes to harboring anger, the person is sitting at the junction of two roads. One road is marked anger, and the other road is marked friendship with God or fellowship with God. And a person can go down only one road. He's got to make a choice. He's going to go down the road of anger. He's going to go down the road of friendship with God. And if he chooses the friendship with God, then there's, there can be no room for anger and vice versa. You know, what do we do on Sunday? So let's just take Sunday, for example. Today, for example, you know, we scurry around and try to get everybody ready to come to church, prepare ourselves for coming to church. You know what's interesting is that there was a custom in the early church that a family did to prepare themselves. This was a custom in the early church that before a family came to church for the Lord's table, each person in the family thought about if they had wronged each other, and they asked forgiveness from each other before they came to church. <laughs> what would that be like today? I don't think people would show up. They'd be confessing. No. <laughs> That's what they did before they came to church for the Lord's table, and that would be wonderful. And so anyway, so the Lord knew that when we looked into our hearts to see, you know, are we angry with any another person, you know, that our evil hearts would have the tendency to just gloss over and says, I'm not angry with anybody, I'm good. And the Lord knew that we'd do that. So he didn't say in verse 23 that there you remember if you are angry with your brother. Instead, the Lord said in verse 23, there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee. So the Lord says, look, the way to tell if you're angry with somebody is not, well, let's see, am I angry with anybody? No, the way to tell if you're angry with somebody is to say, let's see, is anyone angry with me? Oh, that changes everything. And we tend to look at others who are angry with us. We tend to say, that's their problem. Okay, that's their problem. They shouldn't be angry with me. I didn't do anything wrong to them. That's their problem. They need to deal with it. And that's why people say things like, I'm sorry if I offended you. <laughs> that always gets to me. I'm sorry if I offended you. You know, that statement is really saying, I really did nothing to offend you. And if you are offended by me, that's your problem because you're just too sensitive, that's all. Your problem is that you get offended over nothing. And I'm sorry if you got offended over nothing. So that's why the Lord, the Lord, he started with this warning in verse 22. He says, whosoever is angry with his brother, he's talking about a person who's angry. The subject is being angry with your brother. And then he's still on this subject of being angry with your brother when he says in the next verse, verse 23, that if thou bring thy gift to the altar, remember us that thy brother hath ought against you. Well, that sure hurts, put it that way, to be blocked from coming to God because someone's mad at me. Whoa. So this is strong criteria here, very strong. And this is what Paul said that he was working on for all of his life. He said, this is a never-ending battle for me. He says in Acts 24, 16, Acts 24, 16, Herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscious void of offense toward God and toward man. So when Paul used the term always, as in I exercise myself to have always a conscious void of offense toward God and toward men, that means it's a constant battle for us to have this conscious that's void of offense toward God and man. And in our lives, we end up with this conscious that has offense toward God and men. What else can you expect from evil hearts? And when we have a conscious of offense toward God, we go to God and we ask him to forgive, and we use that prayer, Lord, cleanse my heart. And when we do that, 
Then we sit back and we rely on the promise of Hebrews 9.14, Hebrews 9.14, which says, how much more shall the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit offer himself without spot to God? Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. You can't go on and serve the living God unless your conscience is purged. So when we have a conscience of offense toward God, that's what we do. When we have a, fen- a conscience of offense toward man, then... This verse 24, Hebrews 5, 24 kicks in. First be reconciled to thy brother. Now, there's one person that wants us to get right with this brother more than we do, and that's God. Because he says in verse 24, first be reconciled to your brother, then come, come, don't, don't stay away. Someone's mad at you, don't just say, well, I just won't come to God, that's all. I just won't come to church because I know they're gonna do a communion this morning. I'm not gonna do that. No, get right with your brother, and then God says, come. And the word come is like the Lord is saying, I want you to come. Just go and reconcile with your brother first, then come. Now, the Lord Jesus now uses a certain illustration, certain illustration to make his point clear, and it's in verse 25. It's going on now. Here's the illustration, he says. Agree with thine adversary quickly while thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, verse 26, thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. Now, when you look at these words that the Lord is talking about here, he's using words like the adversary, the judge, the officer, the prison, This is all within the context of the legal system, the legal system. As a matter of fact, the Greek word used here for adversary, antidikos, means the accuser, the accuser. It's the same word that's actually used for the devil in 1 Peter 5.8, 1 Peter 5.8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, your antidikos, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And the devil is the great accuser. He never stops accusing us, it says in Revelation 12.10, Revelation 12.10, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. So the adversary that's used in his example here is the legal opponent that accuses us. And the Lord is saying, agree with your accuser quickly before you get in front of the judge because you might find yourself in a worse situation. You might have a judgment against you and you end up in prison and you gotta pay dearly and you won't get out till you paid the very last cent. That's what he's saying here. So the adversary in this example is the person accusing you and the judge is used as the legal system here. This in no way refers to God. The judge in no way refers to God. It's just an example of the legal system. He's talking about having a conflict with a brother. He's not talking about having a conflict with God. The judge is just part of the legal system here. And the Lord says, agree with your accuser quickly whilst thou art in the way with him. Now, whilst thou art in the way with him, when would you be in the way When would you be walking with your accuser? I'll tell you when you'd be walking with your accuser. You'd be walking with your accuser up the steps of the courthouse. That's when you're going to walk with him. Otherwise, you're not going to walk with him. You don't like each other. And I don't know, has anybody here ever been on jury duty and you've been selected for the jury 
and the trial's going to start tomorrow, and you come back, and you're told that there's going to be no trial because the case was settled. Anybody ever happened? Okay, it happened to you, Don, and Clinton. It's happened to me, too. And what is that called? That's called the case settled on the steps of the courthouse. <laughs> that's what they call that way. Probably didn't settle on the steps of the courthouse, but that's anyway, this. And that's a legal practice today. There is a legal practice today for the judge, for the judge that he does, that was actually in force in the Roman legal system when the Lord spoke. And that practice is where the judge instructs the opposing parties to try and settle the case outside the court. And today it's called the Mandatory Settlement Conference, the Mandatory Settlement Conference. Now, our company, Scantabodies, went through 25 wonderful years of never having been in court. But for the last 15 years, it seems like it all piled up. And now it's one court case after another. And that means we've been ordered several times by judges to participate in the Mandatory Settlement Conference. And this is what the Lord is referring to here in verse 25 when it says, agree with thine adversary quickly whilst thou art in the way with him. In other words, while you're both on your way to court, talk with your adversary. Come with an agreement to settle the case before you get in front of the judge because it may go very badly for you if you get in front of the judge. I mean, I remember one time being in a German court in Munich, Germany, over a dispute. And the judge, who spoke English, fortunately, anyway, the judge says to me, Mr. Cantor, he says, being in court is like being lost at sea. In both cases, you are in the hands of God. <laughs> I thought, that's very discouraging. And I thought, it's actually very encouraging. <laughs> the lost at sea part, that was the discouraging part. The being in the hands of God, that was the encouraging part. But anyway, anyway, we won that case. It was a lower court in Munich. And then it was appealed. And we had to go all the way to the other side of Germany to the Uberlandesgericht. The first was the Landesgericht, the court of the land. This is the upper court of the land in Darmstadt on the border there, France. And then we had that appeal there, and we won that one also. But it hasn't always worked out as a win for us in court. And there's been some very painful judgments that I wished I had obeyed, verse 25. Agree with thine adversary quickly while thou art in the way with him. And the most painful lesson I learned was when we were the accuser of another company that had violated their contract, and we filed the case in Manhattan, the lawsuit in Manhattan. And so the judge ordered us to have the mandatory settlement conference. Well, actually, before the settlement conference, an officer from the company called me and made an offer of a settlement. And that was like the offer of verse 25 that happened while Stowart's in the way with him. That was the offer. And like we were on the way to trial, and he made an offer. And I said his offer was less than twice the amount that I thought we would get in court. So now I look back and I say, I was high-minded, I was haughty, and I felt his company was so wrong for violating the contract, and our company was so right that I wanted the day in court. Anyway, that was a mistake. I mean, I should have done what verse 25 says, agree with thine adversary quickly. I should have said, quick, yes, take it, whilst thou art in the way with him. But I didn't. So we went before the judge. And what happened before the judge was unbelievable. First, the judgment asked if the other company wanted to file any counterclaim against us. And they filed an absolutely ridiculous counterclaim against us that should have been thrown out. And then the judge made a ruling of what's called two summary judgments. The judge's first summary judgment was that 
our company was guilty of this ridiculous lawsuit against us without any trial. It was just a ruling from the bench by the judge. And then the second summary judgment that the judge made was that he threw out our lawsuit as having no merit. And that was, again, without any trial. It was another ruling from the bench by the judge. So all of a sudden, we went from being the plaintiff with a strong claim against them to being the defendant of a weak claim against us. And that was a shock. And now we're in the appeal process and of the judge's decision, and we feel we're going to win the appeal, and we should win the case in about another five years. So I thought back about it. You know, I thought, give him some time to think about that. Thought back about it. I said, what happened? And I realized... I made the decision not to settle the case because I was listening to Turku. It ain't right. And I realized I had to swallow a lot of pride and eat a lot of humble pie to take that lower settlement, which I should have done. And I realized that what happened was to teach me to not offend, don't offend others. And there's nothing as offensive to a person as a lawsuit. And this is what the Lord is saying here in verse 25 and 26. He's saying, it's not a matter of who is right. Who is wrong? It's more important to not be mad at another person and not have another person mad at you. And this is the issue here. It's not a matter of who's right and who's wrong. The issue is what Paul said in Acts 23.1. Acts 23.1, Paul earnestly beholding the council said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God unto this day. In Acts 24.16, Acts 24.16, Herein do I exercise myself to always have a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. God's going to decide who's right. He's going to decide who's wrong. He's going to decide what to do about who's right and what to do about who's wrong. But as far as we, our marching orders are Romans 12, 19. Romans 12, 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. And the principle is Romans 12, 18. Romans 12, 18. If it be possible... As much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Now, it's not always possible to be at peace with everyone. I mean, but that's our goal. Swallow pride, accept the wrong done, don't try to get even, don't try to set the record straight, just do everything you can to live peaceably with all men. And so, you know, I preach this to you, I'm preaching to myself. I don't know if you could tell it or not, but I am. Because the damage done by anger and bitterness and not living peaceably with all men, it's too big price. It's too great. Especially when you consider this as, okay, well, that's fine. That's going to block your relationship with me, so is it worth it? It reminds me of my cousin who claims that our aunt promised her the Wedgwood China when she died, and our aunt died. And our uncle, her sister, or her brother, rushed in and took the Wedgwood China before my cousin got there. And my cousin was so angry about that, she took my uncle to court to force him to give back the Wedgwood China. And the court ruled in my uncle's favor. So my court said, look, it's a brother, it's a sister. Our uncle is now 93 years old. And I've pleaded with my cousin, reconcile with him, because soon you're going to lose that opportunity forever to reconcile with him. But her argument is always the same. It was not right what he did. The Wedgwood China was promised to me. This is what we have to be on our guard against. We have to be on our guard against allowing an offense to continue and to follow what the Lord said here in verse 25, agree with thine adversary quickly. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for 
taking the time, Lord, to speak to our hearts and where we live. And thank you for your Holy Spirit that re-speaks the word just what the doctor ordered at the right time for us. Thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 